Thanks for listening to the KC Morning Show. It is National DJ Day. Tell you what, I'm going to go out there and give you a big disc jockey style introduction, okay? Are you a DJ? I'm a professional amateur DJ. I'm practicing my DJ work. This is professional radio. What you need is a professional disc jockey. I don't care if you're a radio broadcaster. Happy National DJ Day, everybody. On the air in three, two... Yo, DJ, drop that beat. <laughs> Everything's running smoothly. That right there across the table, also a heart soul, and this right here, it's your KC Morning Show, baby. What's the word, JR? My father making a special guest appearance on your KC Morning Show. Get up to the mic. I don't want to hear it. Get up to the mic. Move your chair and say hello to the KC Morning Hose, father. Hello. Oh, there you go. That's what I'm talking about. That's that's more like it. I said this months ago on the show, how my father will sometimes do what we call drive-bys. Unannounced, unexpectedly, will come by and say hello. You knew I was coming. Oh, go okay. All right. On the show today, Pops, get close to the mic. I'm going to interact with you for a second. We are going to do a one-year retrospective on the president. I got Professor Harvey K. I got John Shelton from the University of Wisconsin, Green Bay. You know your boy gets some names on this show. I know. I've been... I've been checking you out. Oh, I know you check it out. Every single episode, waiting for your shout-out. I know. And by the way, I never get the shout-out. You get shout-outs. I'm putting you on the show. I tell you who gets the shout-out. Oh, here we go. His mom. People listen to him. They would think he doesn't even have a father. Oh, my God. See how he is? I want my props. Weekdays on your KC Morning Show, we take back America on Tuesdays, reclaiming that radical history. So on the show today, a little bonus episode of Take Back America, revisiting one year. Where were you one year ago today? When President Joe Biden was inaugurated. What were you doing, Pops? What were you doing on Inauguration Day last year? Was that the snow? That was January 6th that I yeah, remember you, clearly. You were thinking about Insurrection Day. Yes, those crazy b****. <laughs> you voted. You were a patriot in the election. Did you have hopes? My Pops, if you can't tell, is a bit of a cynic. But did you have high hopes for the country? Well, of course I did. You know, everybody did. You lived through some shit. You lived through 68. I did 68. You, <laughs> you participated in 68. I was part of the riot in 1968. I participated. What about yesterday? You know, we had the voting rights stuff that got shot down by a bunch of crazy white folks. Uh, I ask you all this stuff because does it feel like Groundhog's Day? Are you back in 68, man? No, not back in 68, but these times are not good. This sucks. It sucks. Well, I know that we got a good thing in Kansas City because we got each other. It takes a village, my father. I've told you that many times. Well, uh, uh, you know what? Some would say that you were the head of the table, chief. All right. So here's what we're going to do on the show today. John Shelton and Harvey K. myself also talking one year later. Pops, get up close to that mic and tell me if it is a good day to be a Kansas City. Of course it is. It's always a good day to be a Kansas City. He said it. My name's Hartzell. I guess my name is Hartzell. And that's- my name is Hartzell. <laughs> we'll see you in the morning. Bye. That was really a productive segment, wasn't it? The KC Morning Show. Professor Harvey K, my brother. And you know what? You know what, Harvey? As we're as we're looking back the year that was. And by the way, Harvey, I just want to say it's an honor to be doing history with you, my brother, my comrade, the Professor Emeritus from the University of Wisconsin, Green Bay. And as we have lived through an eternity, 
that has been the past year. For episodes this big, as we look back on Biden year one, we gotta go to our friends. We need to bring in the bench. And we brought in, I think, the best man off the bench. We got John Shelton, also a professor over at the University of Wisconsin, Green Bay. He is donning his Packers beanie as we speak. I'm gonna let that slide for this very important segment. John, welcome to the show, my brother. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. I am a uh, still a professor at UW Green Bay, so I'm just uh, you know paying for the Ponzi scheme that's getting Harvey Social Security. <laughs> Harvey, what did you say earlier? This is both ends of the uh, of the what? Hartzell, you and I represent both ends of the retirement bookshelf. Okay, <laughs> but I also want to make it clear to everyone who's listening, since I think it's important that we have now in the room at least two people, Hartzell and John, who are ardent baseball fans. Hartzell for the Royals. And John, a lifelong St. Louis Cards fan. This is the KC Morning Show. So people are now booing you, but that's okay. <laughs> well, that's okay. I'm, I'm used to it. I am a professor at a public uh, university. But um, I will say that I've, I, I know that what I'm supposed to say now is that Cardinals fans hate Royals fans because it's, it's an insult to say that Cardinals fans are okay with Royals fans. We're supposed to hate Royals fans as much as Royals fans hate Cardinals fans. So I'm officially booing all of you listening to this. We've got a WrestleMania main event. John Shelton versus the entire city of Kansas City. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hey, let's find out what you all think about the year that was. So Harvey, I'm going to go ahead and table you since we hear you every week. But coming into, I guess, January 20th, 2021. We are now following a insurrection. We're living through a pandemic. We have unemployment through the roof. Folks who are now not just been furloughed or fired from their jobs, but now they're probably not going to get back in that industry whatsoever. So, John, what were you thinking? Were you hopeful Inauguration Day? Well, you know, I don't know if Harvey, Harvey and I are kindred spirits in in many ways. And I don't know if he's used this term on the show before, but the um, Italian Marxist Antonio Gramsci talked about something called the optimism of the will. And, you know, to me, I don't know where Harvey was exactly, you know, when Biden was inaugurated. But for me, that's sort of how I've looked at the past year, right? Like intellectually pessimistic, you know, because Biden's career is basically his political career has been one as, you know, essentially a neoliberal. I mean, to go back to his history in the 70s, he basically ran in his early Senate days on a platform of let's try to do less, right? Like he, I was just writing about how, you know, he called out Hubert Humphrey for, you know, thinking that government could do all these things, like ensure that everybody had the right to a job. So that's, that's always been sort of, you know, Biden's MO, but you know, I was hopeful that, you know, the, the Bernie phenomenon and, you know, many of the social movements we've seen in this country, you know, would would push Biden to, to the left and, you know, really get him to fight for, you know, a bold social democratic agenda, including voting rights, of course. Um, but, you know, something I'm sure you've talked a lot about here is the PRO Act. We The PRO Act is outside of voting rights, probably the most essential piece of legislation we need in this country. And he basically came out in the press conference yesterday and said, I'm no Bernie Sanders. You know, the infrastructure bill that got passed, that that's important. Um, you know, obviously um, having Biden in the White House instead of Trump matters a great deal, particularly with, with fighting COVID. I, I don't want to diminish any of those things, but I think without significant political reforms, again, including the PRO Act, voting rights, 
um, you know, movement on things like um, paid family leave, like it, it's hard to look at this past year as being anything other than a pr- pretty, pretty serious disappointment. And Harvey, this is actually before we even were chatting. So I guess I don't know your thoughts coming into Inauguration Day either. So what were you thinking? In fact, what did you think Biden would make his first priority post COVID? Well, I was a Bernie guy, needless to say. I, I don't want to say Bernie bro, because that, that just sounds hack. I had been with Bernie since the 80s when I heard about his campaigns for mayor up in, in Burlington, Vermont. And I was outraged at the way in which the Democratic establishment rallied around the loser Biden in order to make him the president, okay, or at least the presidential nominee at that moment. I, I figured just about any smart Dem could beat Trump in the middle of the pandemic. That that was my take. Okay. I had some hopes, some hopes that we were going to see real action because let's face it, I mean, he had he had literally been reaching out to Bernie, he had been setting up those commissions, which by the way, were not impressive to say the least. But the members of those commissions led one to believe that Bernie's voice would be heard, a progressive social democratic voice. And then along the way, you know, he, and this is the key thing that everyone's been asking me about. He kept dropping the FDR reference and then he punctuated it with nothing will change, he told the capitalists. So you know, what was one to make of it? There were certain things that tended to temper my enthusiasm, things such as Well, I mean, I was very excited about the American Rescue Plan because FDR had four stages of or four dimensions of the New Deal. It was relief and recovery and reform and reconstruction. And the American Rescue Plan was a kind of merger, at least in our day, of relief and recovery. It was a lot of money that was going to be spent and put into the hands of people who needed it. Problem was, of course, I don't know how they, they, I don't know how stupid they were. We know how stupid they were, but I don't know how they were so stupid that they made the child tax credit one year. I mean, they should have fought for the two years, at least to get them through the, I mean, in political terms, two years. Nevertheless, his his inaugural address left a lot to be desired. But, you know, as a sidebar, I just want to say, John referred to, to Biden's career. I will tell you that my favorite moment of his career was when he plagiarized Neil Kinnock in his campaign for, for the nomination many years ago. And it would have been nice if he plagiarized Bernie. And I wouldn't have thought it too bad. You know, what the hell? If for the inaugural address, something like that. At least plagiarize somebody good, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know, there were little signals that just really threw me. So one of the signals that I can't remember the order in which they came, but one, it wasn't just a little signal, it was a major signal that it wasn't just that, that Bernie's efforts to include the $15 an hour minimum wage were trampled, you know, just it wasn't the Republicans who blocked it. It was a bunch of Democrats who blocked it, two of whom were the senators from Delaware, Biden's own state, which le- led me to wonder, what is this Biden presidency going to be about? The next thing, and John has heard me talk about this over and over again, is that when John Meacham or Meekham again, I don't know how, it's, how to pronounce the name exactly, when he gathered together a group of historians to advise Biden, you know, what could he learn from the past? It was a very nice group of people. I mean, it was it was better than the group of people that Obama had at a dinner party back in 2008 or nine to, to launch his presidency. But I could tell from the roster that no one was going to tell him exactly what he needed to hear. And that is, it's not simply a matter of going big if you want to be FDR-like. It's also a matter of trusting your fellow citizens, speaking to them, engaging them, encouraging them, and empowering them. And I and I and it was hard for me to see in the inaugural address or any of his remarks after that, that he really intended to go there. And here we are a year later, and he never went there. So it's, you know, I mean, it's been a terrible year. 
Okay, the Republicans are Republicans. They are reactionaries, authoritarians, to the extent that they're willing to go with a character like Trump. They're clearly determined to subvert, undermine, destroy democracy. But it's the Democrats just don't seem to understand that the way to fight back is not to take a knee, you know, in, in African attire. It's not to talk about the soul of America, that the way to win back is to start showing that you're not only going to fight for what you have. They didn't even fight, by the way. I, I saw no fight, basically, this past year. But you also have to encourage the fight in other people. They've got to turn out. And, and I thought maybe... They could get labor for, labor forces to turn out behind Build Back Better. Maybe they could get the, the the remnants of a coalition that made up Black Lives Matter to turn out for these things. But you haven't seen that. So let's put it this way: it's been disappointing. It's regularly aggravating. And we've got a year left before what looks like a, a devastating year. And I just want to say, I don't expect people to turn out in mass for the Republicans necessarily. Except I don't expect them to turn out in mass for the Democrats. And I think that what Biden forgets or what he just maybe doesn't want to understand is that the presidency has changed. I know Trump, he was TV. He was the headline. He was the rating. It is what it is. But that's where the presidency is now. As much as he thinks we're back in 93 watching the West Wing, people want to see the president. They want to see him on the offensive and i guess looking back you know john you made a really good point biden is not trump and that is a win that's an actual fascist in the making or maybe he's here now what do you think biden can run on in 22 i mean it it's game time what are we going to the game with what is in the playbook do we have any plays drawn up well boy that's a tough one um i'm, I'm gonna pivot a little bit because i want to actually follow up on what biden maybe should have been doing okay and which he could run on right so you know, if, if I'm sure a lot of your listeners remember that uh, last fall was dubbed uh, in October was dubbed Striketober because of these really high profile strikes. And the most high profile of them all really was the strike at Kellogg's, right? And Kellogg's threatened to fire and replace those workers, which by the way, they can do under labor law, uh, which is one of the reasons the PRO Act needs to change uh, so significantly. Now, look, the Biden administration supported the PRO Act. The PRO Act is eons better than anything the Obama administration proposed, right? It's a, it's a really important piece of legislation. So I, I want to give him credit for that. But, you know, I got contacted by a reporter from the Washington Times, right, which is the conservative newspaper in DC. And when all these strikes were going on, you know, the, the reporter said, is this going to cost Biden because people are worried about inflation? And is he, is he supporting workers too much? And, and I said, no, actually, like, it, you know, like, if you look at a lot of these, these unions, right, like, in this country, um, you know, they have people that voted for Trump, a significant number of them. I don't want to suggest that, you know, all private sector blue collar unions are, are you know, supporting Trump, but many of their members do, right? This is, I think, a lot of people talk about this challenge with their members when I talk to people in the labor movement. And the way that Biden could have come out and shown that he was on the side of these workers, he could have gone to the picket lines. Right. I mean, unless I'm mistaken, he did not go to the picket lines in, in the Kellogg strike. And imagine Biden going and, and not just going for five minutes for a photo op, but going multiple times and saying, I stand with these workers against corporate greed. Right. That's something that he could do. Doesn't need to pass an executive order. Doesn't need to worry about Joe Manchin. You know, those are the kinds of things that you could do if you really wanted to mobilize different groups of people to then come out and say, OK, here's a president that really gets what working people want and is willing 
going to fight with us. That's what you do because you're right, Hartzell, the presidency has changed. So to, so in a roundabout way to answer your question, I honestly don't know. I mean, I, I think, you know, he'll run on infrastructure. He'll say that, you know, we created, we created jobs and he's not wrong about that. You know, he can talk about, you know, getting people vaccines. That That's a big deal, right? And, and the administration played a big role there, keeping schools open, you know, which I, I think will resonate with a lot of people. But man, if, if you lose this, um, permanently lose this tax credit that Harvey was talking about, you know, you don't cancel student debt permanently. It's hard to know what you run on, to be quite honest, other than that we're not as bad as Republicans. We know Biden's not going to show up at the picket line. And one of the reasons why Harvey and I do this segment every week is that we want to we want to promote the promise of it all, not stew in the sadness. You know, so much of what left media is, is analyzing the problem and then just talking to the people who already know that there's a problem. What can we do here on the ground what can we do to support and promote making the Midwest, you know, I say all the time, I want to make Kansas City a union town again. How can we do that? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, first of all, if you're if you're talking about unions, you've got to organize. Right. And, you know, I think a lot of people, the way labor law works in this country is um, there's a lot of barriers set up to having a union represent you in a collective bargaining kind of relationship. And I think too many workers, and that's absolutely what we should be shooting for. But too many workers think about unions and they think that they have to have that or they don't have a union, right? There are ways that you can organize to build power. The, the Fight for 15 is a great example of that, right? Like those were union activists through SEIU doing that. Um, many of them did not get collective bargaining relationships, but they've totally changed the conversation about minimum wage in this country. So you can still organize at your workplaces. You can still build power by, you know, uh, by organizing and, and forming unions. And in terms of like local politics, there are significantly fewer barriers to running in a city council election, you know, or running for a school board than there are obviously for running for, a, 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 you know, c- Congress, right? You know, um, the same thing with, I mean, all these, all these little, you know, offices that oversee like the integrity of the election, Republicans are running for all these, right? Like if you want to change things, go out and run for one of those offices in a spring election or a fall election and build, you know, um, you know, uh, allies and, and constituencies in your community. That's ultimately how we, we have to change things. It, it can seem like, um, you know, it's going to take too long and we clearly have all these big, emer- you know, exigent situations right now, but building things from the ground up, that's the only way we're going to change these institutions that have been too beholden to corporate interests and reactionaries for so long. That- that's what we have to be doing. There is room for progressives in the room where it happens. And I think that we should be there. I think in Missouri, you know, we got rid of right to work. We expanded Medicaid in rural Missouri. I mean, you can't tell me that progressive radical action doesn't play in the heartland. I saw Harvey sent me the link that in your state house, you're introducing one of your representatives introducing the economic bill of rights in the state house. Yeah. And that, that, that representative is my partner, Christina Shelton. Oh, good memory. Hearts. <laughs> uh, who is, who is Harvey and I, she's our representative. Uh, she's in, she's in Madison today. Um, but yeah, she and a, and a colleague, uh, Francesca Hong from the Madison area introduced the economic justice bill of rights. They're organizing, organizing around it. They're running on it. And you know, from the get-go, she's run unapologetically as a progressive. And, you know, she's done extremely well because the, the thing that we have going for us is our ideas are popular, right? They're, we don't always frame them too well. As, as Harvey will tell you, we don't always 
you know, package them in a, in a good narrative that shows how this is part of, you know, America's history and that what we're doing is, is part of the American promise. But our ideas are popular. And if we can organize and get them out there, we can win on them. Harvey, as we wrap this up, our year in review on a scale of one to 10, Professor K, with the rubric being FDR, where would you rate one President Joe Biden? <laughs> Can think in terms of grades, A, B, C, D. Give me, give me a grade, Professor K. How about that? Okay. Yeah. Frankly, frankly, I would go somewhere like a D plus. It's clearly not an A. An A would have seen the passage of a $6 trillion Build Back Better package. A B would have seen a $3.5 trillion. I mean, I'm, I'm basing it on, on performance, okay? Now, I could say it's a C because you got the American Rescue Plan, and maybe I'm being unfair by going to the D plus because, yes, I'm just so frustrated by the fact that he had the audacity and assume had the audacity to raise the memory of FDR. But once again, like many another Democrat, they like to play with the with the three letters FDR, but they really do not understand what that entails. And I know he didn't have the Congress FDR had, but neither did he have the Southern Democrats that FDR had to deal with. And in fact, it's striking that it's just not a it's not an administration that has enabled us in democratic leadership that has enabled us to say, OK, we didn't get what we want, but we really know we really know that it's worth fighting because these folks can make things happen if we turn out. Now, we have to face that fact, but they're not encouraging that fact. So, you know, C minus D plus might be harsh. I'll go back to, I'll say C minus. How's that? You know, look, let me finalize this. This is a major crisis. We're in a crisis comparable to the 1770s, the 1860s, and the 1930s and 40s. So to say, even if I gave him a C is basically a flunking grade. That, that's the point. Professor Shelton, what's your grade say for the semester, the year semester for President Biden? I was going to say, I felt like I was a much, a much easier grader than Harvey <laughs> when it comes to our students, but I think C is generous, actually. Um, I, I was, I was, I was uh, pretty happy with D plus, actually, because I, I do think m maybe it, maybe it is uh, what Harvey said, sort of grading on a curve is, is what I'm doing. But, you know, I, I, I totally agree. Like we are in a, a critical time uh, um, you know, that I, I, I don't want to overstate things, but our democracy is at stake. I mean, we're like one election away from not having a democracy anymore. And, and, and I know we've, we've had this rhetoric of like, this is the most important election in our lifetime. Each of the past like four years, et cetera, happened with both Obama elections, right? 2016, 2020. But, you know, we're, we continue to head in that direction. I mean, the Republican Party, with a very few exceptions, is essentially irredeemable at this point. I mean, they, they, they yeah. don't really care about, you know, the, the basic principle of democracy. And that's what we're up against. And so anything less than, you know, empowering working people, you know, to, to organize so that we can build a counterweight to this and to save the integrity of our elections, anything less than reforming those things it is just not a success. It can't be. Can we turn the tables here for a moment, Hartzell? Okay. So imagine you are the student evaluator of the Biden professorship. What would you say? I wouldn't want to take his class next semester. That's what I would say. <laughs> and it didn't have to do with how much reading he made you do, I am sure. I read all the papers. I did all of the reports. In fact, I was an A-plus student with a D-plus professor. <laughs> but I will say this. I will say this. John, you said it at the beginning, and I know we shouldn't hinge on it too much, but I think it's important. He is not Trump. Trump is an actual wannabe dictator, which means that we have an opportunity. No matter how much we are bummed out with the Build Back Bummer plan or we watch 
watch news conferences yesterday that just want to make us throw things at the TV, especially him bailing on the very last question about canceling student loan. I mean, blood boils as I'm even recapping what I saw yesterday. But again, I believe in us. I believe in the radical story of America. And I believe that that story will always play. And if we've got folks out here who want to promote the social democratic principles that we know is what the American people want, then I still think we have a chance. I still think our window is open. And I just want to say, my friends, it is an honor, like I said at the beginning, to be doing history, active, progressive history with you two right here and Kansas City and the nation. And I just want to say, since you and I have already discussed this, that our friend, our brother, John, will be back at least one more future episode in the near horizon. John, let's not make it just a once a year thing. Yeah. Can we do this way more often than that? Yeah. Anytime. This was a blast. This was awesome. And I would love to have your partner on the show. I would love to just dig into that bill. Would love to, love to. I'm sure she would like that. And and she uh, is not a Cardinals fan, so you know you probably get along better with her. We're gonna have we're gonna have a good time. This is why we just became best friends. Tell her we became best friends. I will. I will. <laughs> <laughs> she may have been a Pirates fan as a child. That's true. Pirates are not Cardinals. In fact, Pirates. Some folks would say Pirates are just a type of royalty. You know. So with my Royals and Pirates together, we'll take on the Cardinals. The two of you will truly turn me into a Brewers fan. <laughs> My friends, let's go take back America. Harvey, I'll see you soon. And John, until next time. Sounds awesome.
Your message 